This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, this is Drinking with Authors Literary. We've had a lot to drink briefs episode. I am your host, Erica. Shut up. I didn't even say anything. You didn't have to. Anybody watching the YouTube version of the show would see the expression. She just, you just said it again. Go ahead and introduce yourself, sassy pants. Jam Paquette. Jam Paquette. And our guest today is K.M. Herkus. I said that correctly again, after more than half a bottle of wine. Let's talk about what we're drinking today. I'm drinking 19 Crimes, The Banished. And I love this because there's an app that lets the labels talk to you, which is super great when you're drunk to have a label talking to you and telling you what crime they committed. Go team. Jen, talk about the amazing tea you're drinking today. I'm drinking tea. It's called Irish Cream Tea. And it is from the Dollar Tea Company, which I joined. And it's actually $5, but they send you a loose tea. It's pretty awesome. Irish cream. Okay. Cam, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, Woodford Reserve bourbon with a little honey and uh, lemon fizzy water. I don't remember what brand, but, and ginger liqueur. <laughs> it's fine. I call that loaded. Let's go. Let's go. We're loaded. Okay. So rapid fire questions. What is your favorite book of all time? Right now, Warrior's Apprentice by Lois McMaster Bougeau. Why? Uh, it's the first book I ever read that I said, I want to write like this. Very, very cool. cool. What is your least favorite book of all time? Um, Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Why is it? Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm you guys got to work. So with you. So with you. <laughs> Jen's facial expressions are <laughs> Okay, why is it your least favorite book of all time? Uh, two reasons. One, it's uh, I just I just despise everything Ayn Rand has ever written because I hate all of the ideas that are presented in there and can, when I am more sober or less bourboned, um, articulate those arguments against everything that she writes about much more clearly. Um, uh, but then two, it's a really huge book that takes up way too much space in the R section of the bookstore. Okay. Good to so know. It was, it was a, it was always a, you said, why did, why did the buyers send us 12 copies of the Fountainhead? We have 15 other authors we need to fit on the shelf. And so off it went into the back room. I like that. And rightly so. Yeah. That's okay. Don't get me started on my least favorite book of all time. Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm curious now. If you listen to any of the podcasts, first of all, I hate everything um, that it, oh. so E.L. James. Ah, yeah. Okay. Ah, there's that. But also, I am just not a huge fan of Jane Austen, which pisses people off, but I just can't. I can't. There are so many people doing fucking needlepoint in those books. Like I am so not interested in anything that's happening in any of those books. They take 
way too long. And I understand it's the period and how they behaved and stuff, but I've discovered I don't like watching these shows either. Like everybody's going nuts over Bridgerton or whatever the hell the name of the show is. Shut up. No, (laughs) I I literally cannot stand. I know, but it's everything you hate in a book. So everything I hate in a book is on a TV show and I can't watch. Not that the acting's not great. It's, and it's not that it's not well written. I just don't enjoy it. That's fair. Yes. I love it to pieces. I could, but I wanted to read Jane Austen because my husband and his best friend absolutely adored Jane Austen and could actually quote from Pride and Prejudice. There are reasons I married the man and the fact that he could quote literature at me was one of them. But I tried to read it, couldn't get past like the first, second, first chapter, first, second page. And so I, but I was reading modern romance. I mean, modern Regency romance. I'm like, but I like Regency romance. I like the Bridgerton series. I like Julia Quinn. So I read some of those. Then I read Georgette Heyer, who wrote Closer to the Style. And then I could manage to slog my way through it, just so I could say I'd read it. I was so I read Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. That was fun. That was a romp. Yeah, does that count? Because I think that should totally count. count. Oh, yeah. Sense and that Sensibility totally and Sea Monsters. Those are all great. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm just, I can, I, yeah, I can't. Those are brilliant. Those are actually brilliant adaptations because mm-hmm. they kept the, the, the truth of the characters beautifully well. Uh, especially yeah so anyway so I totally get those being awful yeah and it's not again I think it's it just goes to the point that every person like has different things that they like to read and there are certain things that people like to read and they get enjoyment of and that's why there needs to be so many different kinds of authors to feed these different things and sometimes it's stuff people didn't even know they would love and then they pick it up and then they absolutely love it. And they didn't know that because they didn't think of it. And that's why it's important to go to conventions and stuff and meet different new authors that you maybe didn't see on a shelf at Barnes and Noble and get to know their work because yeah. you, you don't know what filtration process stops some of those amazing artists from being read. That is my little blurb of the day. Okay. okay. Do you have a rapid fire question, Jen? If not, I'm ready to go again. I was I was going to ask when do you write? Like, are you a morning person, an evening person? Do you write a little bit every day? Like, what? Um, I am. I currently am doing most of my productive work in the afternoons. Uh, that's just the way the schedule has worked out. Um, there have been periods of the past where I have only been able to work in the mornings, um, and the, and the rest of the time the creative well was just like haha dry for you and then there are definitely those um once i have hit hyper focus which is a thing that happens um i wrote the last uh, the first draft of the last part of sharp edge i wrote over a period of about three days where i'm pretty sure i slept in there at some point, but I was, I had it, it was all in my head. It had to go on the page. So I just sat there in front of the computer until it was done. And then um, the edits were the same way. The edits were about a week of just intense working through the revisions work. So it depends. There, that's the long answer. I, I Long answer away, it's your podcast. You can literally <laughs> take the entire half an hour and talk about that. It might be very close to Jane. Austin book for me, but no. Just 
listening um uh, i generally have a uh, once i've gotten about a third of the way into a book i probably have a soundtrack that is for the book that has nothing to do with the book itself it's just whatever is hit that i can listen to and i'll put that on and listen to it and it's i like musicals i like rock music and i have a writing group that i work with is called the gumbo fiction cafe which is just we were it has scheduled times that the cafe is open and you can go and be at the cafe and write it's a zoom meeting but it means that you know you're there there are other people who are there and it's a little less like being locked in a room for a year with no human interaction uh and they laugh at me occasionally because i'll be sitting there and they were muted while we're working for our 45 minute work periods and they can see me singing along with the lyrics while i'm typing and they can't figure out how I'm doing it. And I can't figure out how I do it either. But that's the part of the process. Um, do you ever post your playlists? I have not, but I only got Spotify about three months ago. So I may end up, um, but they're, they're just, they're, they're odd. Like the, the playlist for Sharp Edge is uh, Musical Hair, um, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ Superstar, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Godspell, um arlo guthrie's greatest hits i think you should post this here's the thing is that believe it or not readers get kind of excited hearing what caused the creative juices to going because there's only so much they get to know about you as mm -hmm. an author no matter how many of these like podcasts and stuff like that you do and people love that. So I would heavily recommend posting your playlist, even if you think it's the weirdest thing in the world, people are going to enjoy listening to it. I, and I, I should, I should, I should probably make that, that one public and I'll put that in my next newsletter. That gives me something to put into my next author newsletter that I Yay! now have one of. We've accomplished things. Okay. Ask your question that wasn't the music one, even though you tricked me, whatever. I was going to ask how COVID has affected your, your writing, if at all. Did you used to go out places to write? Now you write? Um, I, I generally always wrote at home. Um, uh, so that part of it did not change life at all. I'm, I'm introverted and shy. I, I, I can hear my family laughing at me. Um, because they don't think I'm shy, but I, I, I'm, I'm introverted in the classic sense that I, while I enjoy human beings, interaction is very draining. So I didn't really go out much before COVID. Um, conventions were my big, I'm going out there. And COVID did make me realize that I was doing at least two more conventions a year than I probably should for optimum mental health because it takes me days afterwards just to mentally recharge enough to think straight. Um, 
in terms of the writing, uh, once we got over the spring, what exactly is this pandemic and is this the big one that's going to kill us all uh, issue, then I, and then, then um, I just kind of got into a groove. So that's, uh, it, it was, it was, it was much easier to write once things settled down a little bit. So, um, so it was very, very hard at the beginning. Um, once I was back into a schedule, it was a lot easier. Um, it was not helped by the fact that it's like I said, last year was the year of the house <laughs> where I didn't do much of anything because my, my entire life was subsumed into finding the house, getting the house, working on the house, dealing with the house, moving, selling the old, everything. Uh, this year was, or COVID year was, well, we're not going anywhere and we had some big trips planned. So let's take a look at our five-year plan for the 91-year-old house and go ahead and fix the things. So, um, and as it turns out, having crews of workers hammering on your roof and yanking off your siding is, is a little detrimental to your concentration. I would agree with that completely. Definitely. So. Okay. Um, what was my next question? Wow. I thought of it and then wine just hit. It's fine. I got it. Oh, what are your writing quirks so a lot of us have different things and some people's quirks progress but is there anything that your editor goes uh you need to stop doing this uh let's see well other than one developmental editor who just wanted a character to have an entirely different arc than i wanted actually with three different characters um they, they, they wanted them to have very different character arcs than I did. Because, well, that's no, that's no good. We don't want to yeah. talk about that. Either. Okay. So other than that, it's all, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that my copy editor is going to pull out all of her hair because I haven't, I, I don't think I had not enough commas or too many commas. I just don't put them where they're supposed to be. Oh, that would drive Jen, who's an editor, completely nuts. And just so, move them around, you know. Oh, that's yeah. That was it's like the number of insertions and the number of deletions, and they were all all there, there were like five hundred of them, and they were all commas. And then I I love to use the the gerund form instead of it being an active word, and I usually catch that before it goes off to the editor now because the first time it was it's like she was feeling as opposed to she felt he was doing as opposed to he did like so i'll tell you as authors i know this i can say this i keep changing what the hell is wrong with me my latest thing is changing people's names from chapter to chapter it's fine my editor catches it hashtag jen um but i think like for me what i um noticed and do you see i didn't say realize you see that jen uh, is that um i think having really good editor feedback allows us to almost train ourselves as an author as we're sitting yes. there typing away to stop like what we're doing and going this is passive voice do 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 get rid of the he said she said they said how many said you got going on 
I think that it's really good as authors if we can grow and evolve to not continue to do the same mistakes, but instead, as Malcolm said in Jurassic Park, make all new ones. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And, and that was why I was like thinking, I was like, I don't I think the only things that are consistent from book to book are commas that I at least have, I at least have mastered the Oxford comma at this point. Yes. So I was raised by a bunch of people who wrote for newspapers and you don't do they, it. So, they, so, yeah. They wanted the room so they could sell ads at the yep. bottom. They were like, yep. well, just get rid of it. It doesn't matter. Yep. So it does so I matter. Had to, I had to learn to put them in. And then um, uh, British spellings. I do British spellings all the time towards and forwards and backwards and extra U's sprinkling all through my adjectives. I like um, doing through because through and thruff look very similar. So I like mixing those up in a manuscript and really pissing the editor off because I don't care. There are two different versions. Let's go with it. So let's talk about the editing process a little bit. I know a lot of authors, so I like to bring this up. I'm one of those authors that has pretty much given up on the fact that I think I'm going to write a perfect book and instead give my book to the editor and go, just fix it and tell me what I need to pay attention to. Not that you shouldn't continue to read your book, but I've realized that for me, I will go, oh, if, I, if I'm given that manuscript to keep going over to your point of when you put it up on Wattpad, like you can go over the damn thing to death and still not be done with it and still trying to keep fixing it. And you're not going to be as good at that book as you're going to be as a book in two years or right. four years or 10 years. Like, mm -hmm. so I just go, I've written the best book I can editors fix it. Cause I really trust my editors just fix it and publish it. And just tell me if I put the word realized in there 50,000 times, yeah. that was a previous quirk I had. I'm over that quirk. I'm on to whole new quirks now. So, um, what, how do you, how have you felt about editors? Because I think brand new authors can get very offended by editors and you have to find the right one, but you kind of, your editor should sort of be your police in a little way to go, hey, so fun story, your pacing needs to increase or your commas or your, you know, how mm -hmm. do you feel? Um, I, I love editors and I, I know that my work needs editing and I never had an idea that my work was going to be perfect and it was never going to need to be changed. So I came into it with the recognition that it's a collaborative effort, that, that what I'm going to do, someone else is going to look at and improve. Um, I know that a lot of independent authors uh, may or may not be able to afford a professional editor and yet they still want their work to reach out to an audience above and beyond and they want to a paid audience and that's fine. A critique partner can edit, a beta reading crew can edit, not, it's not the same as working with a professional editor. Um, and I, in, I in absolutely, I require that because I know my work won't be its best if I don't work with that professional editor. Um, I'm never going to get offended when the editor, like I said, I, say I, had, I had an editor who at the developmental level, like I, this, this character's arc should go like this. And like, I respect that. Stet, it's staying, it's staying the same because that's my choice. Um, there are 
there are things that are in controlled descent that if I was, had been, had found an agent in the publishing house and was working through it, they would have immediately looked at it and said, pull this out, develop this entirely differently. And it would have been a tighter, tauter, um, much more directed story. That's not the story I wanted to tell, but it meant that when I was done with the story I wanted to tell, I knew what reactions to it might be. So that's valid and important as well. So I, I, I and Sharp Edge is infinitely better because it, at the copy edit stage, um, the, my amazing editor said, I have, I see these problems with the plot and I see these problems with the plot. Um, it was one of those cases, and I don't remember which author said this, but it was these like, if they say it's wrong, it's wrong. What's wrong with it might not be what you want to fix. And that was the case with this. So like, this wouldn't work that way and people wouldn't do this. And I'm like, okay, I need to sit with that. And that's one reason it took so much longer to write that was I got that um, feedback and I said, I disagree with everything you offer as a solution, but you're right. So what do I need to do to complete? So instead of it being a copy edit, it was sit down with it, pull this out, rearrange this, start it at a different point and change the whole focus of the story. And now it really tightly tells the whole story, not just the story I was seeing in my head. So. And I think what you just said is really brilliant because I, I say this all the time. When we're talking to people, you, when we say we're going to be amused, we're going to give you ideas, we're going to do stuff. It doesn't mean you have to follow exactly the idea, but you have to look into the intention of the idea going. If the editor, the person you have reading it, the beta person is not following your idea, we get so much of the story in our head, like an iceberg. So we're mm -hmm. telling the tip of the iceberg, but the whole entire story is there. And if we haven't communicated it well, you need help for somebody to go, hi, um, were you intending for this to be a blah? And you go, yeah. Well, if it didn't come across, you need to listen to what they're saying and go, it didn't come across and fix it, which might not be exactly what they're saying, but listen to the fact that they said they didn't get what you were trying to communicate. Right. So yep. go fix the story and give it back to them and let them read it anew with mm -hmm. that idea. And I think if you only have yourself and you only have what's in your head and you only have a bunch of people who tell you how great you are all the time, like that will never work as a writer. That doesn't work. I mean, of course I love to hear how great I am all the time. Literally, I thrive on that. But I want my editor to go, so fun story, stop changing the names of characters from chapter. <laughs> and then I have to go, cool story. So now I'm hyper freaked out about that and keep going back chapters to make sure I haven't changed the character's name because I've never done that before. In the last book, I did that twice. It's fantastic. I'm not making the same mistakes. I'm making whole new ones. It's great. It's called growth. That's growth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I grow so much as turn sideways and go a different direction. I just, I'm, I don't know. My editors. Okay. Jen, do you have a final question? I was going to ask what advice you have for new writers. Ooh. How about what advice you have for writers? 
for not, writers, not new writers. That's right. Writers in general. Yeah. Um, this is that's this is uh, someone just recently asked me or recently observed on Facebook that there really wasn't a whole lot of uh, advice out there for people who are on their second book or their fifth book and wondered why that was. And I cynically said that, well, there's probably a lot more money to be had uh, putting advice out to people who haven't finished their first book. But um, for me, the advice doesn't change between the first book and the eighth. Um, first one is remember there is no one true way to write your book. Uh, uh, there is no one right path to publication and beyond. And um, yeah, that kind of covers it. There's, there is no one true way. How you do it is how you do it. And then I expand on that for like 600 words in a blog post. Very cool. No, I think that's, that's brilliant and it's true, but it is also, I think part of the advice you need to give authors is never lose focus of the story and what drew your fans in to begin with. Mm. I've seen a lot of authors and series kind of go a little wackadoo where you're like, um, this isn't the direction. <laughs> Laurel K. Hamilton. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to say her name. Oh, um, I know it might have been thinking. Um, I, one of the best pieces no, of advice but, I've, I've ever received was at um, a Nebula Award, Nebula Conference panel that I don't remember who was on it because I'm horrible that way, but it was wonderful advice. And that was this advice on series. And it was, when you no longer feel joy about writing the series, stop. If you're, even if you, you, you still have 50,000 ideas you want to tell, if you aren't feeling it, don't stick with it, which is why I stopped writing the restoration books in 2016, when dystopian, socialist dystopian futures stopped being fun and started writing rough passages. So it just, that was needed to change direction so brilliant advice absolutely you are amazing thank you so much for being here you have been so much fun well, thank you for being so complimentary and so much fun to talk to you guys are great well thank you very much and it's so exciting so what is the name of your book that's coming out again Oh, the Sharp Edge of Yesterday. It's intended to be an introduction to the world of Rough Passages. It's the first full-length novel. It's all about moms with superpowers and kids with radical ideas battling bigotry and bureaucracy to make their world a better place. Now that is an elevator pitch right yeah, there, Mark. Right. Uh -huh. An absolute elevator pitch. You have been thoroughly so awesome to have on this podcast. Thank you for being here. Ooh, I ooh, how do we, how do we find her? What? How do we find her? that point i'm not okay. forgetting i've had one okay sorry um jam paquette would you like to take over go for it <laughs> it just seemed like you were winding down how do we find you i am on facebook and instagram and twitter as km Herkus. Uh, my website is dawnrigger.com and um you can find my books wherever books are sold or at your public library at your public library this is key guys just pay attention. I love the fact that you thought I'd forget this. I've literally never forgotten this on a podcast, Jen. It doesn't matter how drunk I have gotten. I have never forgotten this part of it. Okay. You know what? You're self-doubting me. We're going to talk after this. That's what's going to happen. Whatever. Tone. Okay. So you've been amazing. Thank you for being on our podcast. 
This is Freaking with Authors. I've been Erica Lance. This has been Literary Briefs, even though JM doesn't think I'll remember things. And we will see you next time. Ha, ha, ha.